Uh, welcome back and welcome. <laughs> so we begin with uh, the our usual way. You want to read along with us if you want. If you don't want to, you don't have to. been uh, quite a long time. <coughs> I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> well, so what were, what were we talking about the last time we saw each other many moons ago? <laughs> Dharma? <laughs>
the twelve links are dependent origination. Did we reach the number twelve link? <laughs> Okay, so we, reached, we went from 1 to 12 already? Yeah. You're, you're uh, afraid to say so because I might ask you what are they? No, that's the And uh, why, are we, why are we going over the 12 links of dependent origination? Well, what did you get from the talk on the 12 links of dependent origination? Did you get it? <laughs> yeah, what keeps us in samsara. Okay. okay, all right, let, let's start from there. What is samsara? You said though you said uh, uh, according to what you understood, the twelve links of dependent origination deal with the desire realm. To deal with the desire realm and form realm, and then there's the, the formless realm. The formless realm I thought was lacking one because there's no form in the formless realm. So the, you know, the form when you come into being, mm-hmm. since there's no form, they're not they're not twelve links. Okay. Is that uh, and that's something that uh, it's not that there are twelve links within the desire realm yes. and then this number of links in the form realm. Yeah. The twelve links is encompasses all of samsara. Everything that is in samsara. There are these twelve links. Yeah. Now so the twelve links also apply to the formless realm. We haven't gotten into speaking about the formless realm, so yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, Dennis. <laughs> 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 begins with desire realm. 
and up. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question on uh, the six levels of gods in Andra, then we have the realm of four kings, and then we have no fighting, right? No conflict. What was four, five, and six? You know what I'll ask you. I'm not so sure there's six. Is it six? Six levels of gods? I think you, you mentioned yeah. the last one. Yeah. Okay. So within the desire realm. Um, correct. Yeah. And there are other levels, uh, other, other levels of gods. Oh, there are. Yeah. <coughs> and Indra is not a level. It's just uh, one of the, He's the realms. He's the king of the heaven. He's the king of that heaven, yeah. The heaven of the 33. So our new guests in the back are we completely confusing you. to Buddhism, <coughs> so first we went into the 12 links, samsara, the 12 links of dependent origination, and, and then we got into, okay, what are, uh, what are these 12 links referring to? What, what is this world that you're born into, that is, what are these worlds that you're born into where you're subject to dissatisfaction and suffering? Uh, and one of the reasons that within Buddhism that cosmology is, is presented is to show us that sometimes some of the things that we consider to be an ultimate end, an ultimate resting place, so to speak, is not necessarily, an, in fact, an ultimate resting place. The, the, what, is, what are referred to as the three lower realms, or the, uh, the, the, what's the way of saying it, the three places of bad migration, <laughs> uh, so far, I haven't heard a, a better translation. Have you heard a better translation? Uh, well, three lower realms seems to be so far the better of the translation. So it's the th- they are below the realm of humans. There are three realms that are considered to be uh, they are lower because the suffering is more intense. Okay, and the lower the realm, the more what, the, what makes a realm lower is that the suffering there is the intensity of the suffering. So the lowest realm would be the realm where there is the most intense suffering. Okay. And the highest realm would be the realm where suffering is the least is the least found there. But there is some measure of suffering found there uh, uh, in any case. So wherever there is a connection to suffering there is potential to suffer, there is experience of suffering, all that is within the, uh, the, what they call the wheel of life, or the, the wheel of samsara. And it is this entire wheel that we want to get away from. So we, don't, we want to exist in a state where there is not even the potential to suffer. Okay? There's not even the seeds to suffer. All that is being completely removed. And that state is what they refer to as nirvana. 
Now, what other realms, what are the different places within uh, that are connected with, to suffering that you, that you can suffer? And that's where the, the wheel of life comes in. That's where uh, the Buddhist cosmology comes in. And the reason for that is, uh, at the time of the Buddha, there were practices. Of, uh, some of them were ethical, some of them were questionable, where the aim was one of those higher planes within, within samsara. Because the suffering was less, because the pleasure was more, more intense there, so they became places of uh, objects of spiritual uh, uh, aspiration. Okay? And when in Buddhism, the, the, uh, when you, once it was demonstrated that these are not the final resting place, it's not the place where you find true peace, it's not the place where you are completely free from suffering and the potential for suffering, uh, even though they may be very attractive, uh, you have to be, there's a danger of making them your final, the aim of your spiritual practice. And when you hear the description of these places, you may, you may find out, oh, that's what I thought uh, heaven was supposed to be like. That's what I thought the ultimate uh, spiritual goal was supposed to be like. Now, if this thing is just another realm within samsara, I better aspire to something higher. Okay? <coughs> so, we, within, uh, so, samsara is, we divided it into, uh, we call it three planes. So, so, so not to get mixed, uh, so not to mix up the word realm and it, and uh, and and plain uh, different realms mixed up. Okay, so you have different classes of beings who live in samsara, and those classes of being are classified that way because of the uh, the degree of suffering that they are forced to experience within their environment, within their being. The lowest ones are the ones who suffer most intensely, where the suffering is unconstant from the moment that they are born into that life to the moment that <coughs> life ends. If the one is suffering is unending, that's the that's the hell realms being. And for those where uh, there is some degree of satisfaction, some degree of relief, uh, but there is still intense suffering, above that is what they call the hungry ghost realm. And the, uh, what, uh, what, what uh, uh, distinguishes the hungry ghost realm from other realm is that the suffering that, they, that the, those beings have forced to endure is intense craving that cannot be uh, easily satisfied. And sometimes you hear about that they have uh, a family of 500 children or something. Imagine a family of 500 children and you can't, uh, can't feed them. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's hungry. They can't think of anything else but the need to satisfy their hunger and their thirst. Okay? And it's very difficult for them to find any, any scrap of food. So that's the suffering uh, of that realm. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily that everyone in that realm has 500 kids. It doesn't mean everyone in that realm uh, can't find uh, uh, food or, 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 or drink. But it's just what, what was the general characteristic of that realm? Okay? Something like that, huh? Okay, so, uh, so that's the next one. And above that, where the suffering is less, that's the animal realm. And the animals are better off than the hungry ghosts because the animals 
uh, they may go for, uh, like in the wild, for example, an animal may go for weeks without uh, uh, in hunger, but eventually they find food. And they're able to satisfy, and when they do find food, maybe they're able to satisfy their hunger much longer than a hungry ghost. The, hung, the hungry ghost, when they finally find food, it's like a scrap, it's like a little piece of bread to, to share with 500 people. Yeah, just to give you an idea. And above the animal realm, so these are the three lower realms. Hell realm, hungry ghost realm, and, and uh, animal realm. Above that, you have the human realm. And the human realm, we all, we all know it. <laughs> That's where we are. But there are also, uh, according to Buddhist cosmology, there are other kinds of humans that so far I've not encountered. I don't know anyone who has encountered them, but they're mentioned anyway, uh, those d from of the different continents. And up to this time, we have uh, <laughs> no one has been able to 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 tell us exactly what are these other continents and how do you get to them. And I, was it in, in the recent uh, the recent talk by the Dalai Lama where he said? Uh, what is mentioned as far as uh, cosmology is concerned, science beats us, yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, up to this point, I myself, I don't know why uh, Buddhist cosmology is presented the way it is, as though it is, was when you're talking about, about cosmology, it is presented in a, in a way like, you know, like when you're studying geography, right? Oh, these are the places that you can visit, okay? And if you, t if you take the world where we live, you have the, the different continents here and there, and they're separated by land or they're separated by water, and you can actually visit them, right? But in Buddhist cosmology, there are some places that we don't quite know how to visit them. Maybe you can visit them in your meditation. I'm talking about uh, our world, right? They're not talking about uh, like uh, other dimensions that you have to enter some sort of meditation to get into. There are supposed to be three other continents. So our world, according to Buddhism, is divided into four continents. And we are in the southern continent. And up to now, no scholar, no Buddhist uh, meditator has presented to us exactly what does it mean to be living on the southern continent. Sometimes the southern continent is referred to as just India. And now if we're taking India as a southern continent, then the Himalayas become the northern continent, and then all the other continents <laughs> to that side of the, the southern continent, all the other continents on that side of the northern, of the uh, western continent, yeah. East, west, north, south, okay. So some people present it that way. And that, that has problems. And the reason that has problems is because there's supposed to be different kinds of humans living there. And so far, we haven't found them. <laughs> So supposedly in the northern continent, they're supposed to be, uh, have, they have a, a, a very long lifespan, and the lifespan is fixed. And I think it's connected perhaps with, uh, with, with it's either connected to, or maybe it lends uh, to the uh, myth of Shangri-La, Shangri-La, right? Where there's supposed to be this very, you know, uh, almost utopic kind of a, uh, kind of place, society, where everybody lives for a very long time, everybody is peaceful, loving each other, things like that. Okay. So, uh, so far, uh, this place has not been found by a, a what do you call those people? An explorer. 
unexplored. There hasn't been an expedition to one of those places as we turn and to give us report, okay, this is how you get there. Okay? So they remain... I don't know, I don't know why we still hold on to them in Buddhism. <laughs> I guess we hold on to them just for the sake... because it, it's, it's in the book, so... No, uh, we hold on to them for just for that sake. But I was very happy to hear that His Holiness said, uh, on many occasions, as far as cosmology is concerned, modern science has... What, what was the term that you used? Uh, used uh, you were there? No. No? You know, it's verifiable. It's, it's yeah. Whoever can be verified has yeah. a Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump. That was the one, Trump. <laughs> Trump's us. Modern science trumps us as far as uh, cosmology is concerned. Okay. And also... That sort of gives you uh, uh, one of the reasons that is given why this is still continuing as to giving us this, uh, this, this presentation of our world is that that's not the ultimate concern of the Buddha. That's not the, that wasn't the ultimate concern of the Buddha. The, ulti- the Buddha wasn't, uh, was, wasn't an anthropologist. He wasn't a, a, a geologist. He wasn't uh, an explorer. His job wasn't to report back, oh, this is what... When you, when you get on a boat this way and you keep going, this is what you find there. When you get a, a, a you know, take a caravan this way, you will find this over there. Uh, this kind of spice you find there. This, <laughs> that's a mineral. That's that, that wasn't the concern of the Buddha, but it seems to have been the worldview of the people at the time of the Buddha. So the Buddha wasn't concerned about straight, uh, making sure that uh, uh, this was. Uh, straighten out, okay? Because uh, as as we know, will uh, our, our view about the world changes, right? Uh, now Pluto is no longer a planet, right? You didn't know that? Two or three years. Pluto is no longer a planet. It got demoted. <laughs> okay. So, and before that came out, we, we, we would have debated that there, was, there were not nine planets, and I'm not sure if I can't even say that number anymore. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, how many planets are there now? Eight or more? There are now eight. There, there were eight, eight in 1936, and 1937 there were nine, and now there's eight again. Yeah. That's when it was discovered. Yeah. So, uh, very good. Very good example. <laughs> right? Within our own uh, uh, time, sort of, uh, f- from of history, there were eight, and they became nine. And now it's back to eight. So this it changes, right? There are different things that people will discover. Like uh, just recently, we discovered there was a time there was a time that we used to uh, we used to think that uh, uh, below a certain depth in the ocean there was no more life, and then finally we were able to discover that there's a bunch of strange kind of lives down there, even though they have no uh, no light uh, from the sun coming into them. Somehow they survive, and they're able to produce their own light. And that sort of gives you into an I and I uh, also this I say I think proves not proves but at least uh, what do we call that thing illustrates. illustrates the probability that when in in Buddhist cosmology when they say that there are beings who produce their own lights we can sort of somewhat accept it okay we don't know exactly how uh, how what they look like how is it that they're producing their own light. But we have somewhat evidence now from uh, actual creatures that we've seen that were producing their own light, or their own lights, right? So, but knowing cosmology 
from A to Z, uh, from from atom, uh, from no, from subatomic particles. Is it that? Is, isn't that sub sub sub? <laughs> is there a sub 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 subatomic particle? When you split the subatomic particle, then it gets sub sub. You get you get smaller. Well, uh, from small to small. I guess now I understand why in Buddhism when they when they go into small, small, small. they when they go into small 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 <laughs> it makes more sense that way. because as soon as you give it a definite like atom okay that's it that's the smallest and you smash that up and atom can't mean smallest anymore <laughs> right so whatever is the smallest that's small smallest whatever whatever you discover okay but, but uh, so. There's supposedly these other types of human beings living with us, and we are supposed to be on the southern continent. So one, inter- like I, as I mentioned, one interpretation was take, take India, and they made India into the southern continent, and the other places around India were supposed to be the other continents. But this, and Dilama also mentioned, uh, there's, there's supposedly this central mountain. There's, there's a central mountain in uh, Mount Meru, it's supposed to be the central mountain uh, uh, on, on our world. And so far, no one has found the central mountain. Okay. It's supposed to be huge, humongous, right? That it touches the clouds. Well, we've seen some mountain like that. But <laughs> it's supposed to be so huge that it reaches the, the, other, uh, the other realms, like touches the, 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 form, the, 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 the higher realms. So far, no one has, found, has seen this mountain. So no one has reported it. So some people think, or maybe they were referring to the Himalayas as as the as this Mount Meru. Okay. Uh, but since the world is a sphere, you can't really say this is the center. Okay. Where, wherever you point your finger, that that's the center. Okay. That's the problem with a sphere. <laughs> with a ball. No, no one can claim to have exclusive right to center, but everyone can say they're the center. Okay. Uh, one explanation about the, uh, the, star, the the different continents of our world uh, is, is some, supposed to be some sort of dimension, right? Like the southern continent is our world, all our world. Every, all the continents that we know, all the people that we know, that's supposed to be the southern continent. And the northern and the, and the other continents that these are these are more subtle worlds that are uh, uh, you have to get into some sort of a chance to be able to get into them. You can't get into a spaceship to get to them. Maybe some, maybe one day scientists will get into the what they call that uh, like in science trans-dimensional kind of spaceship that travels through dimensions. Maybe then you might be able to go to see the northern continent and see those people asking what's their diet. You know, how <laughs> they get to live super so long. <laughs> There's a story, I'm trying to think of who it was, it was like Jonah Control, or one of, one of the, I can't remember which, which one, but you know, who he, he supposedly had visited one of these places and brought back flour, and his, his son had, you know, had the flour with him. Ah, so how did he travel there, did, did they mention? If you have to ask, you know, <laughs> he traveled there, <laughs> but he traveled to one of these, these supposed worlds and, brought, and actually brought back something, and, uh-huh. and then his, his son had it in his house, uh-huh. and then I think it's still there, whatever this thing is, oh, really? this flower or whatever. W- w- where is this? In India somewhere? I have to remember. I have to we have to make a class trip. trip. A field trip. Might have been Dujong. I don't remember. It was mm. somebody who 
died in the 20th century, and uh. my son was living in the late 20th century. Uh. So, it was so this is very close to us. Yeah, it might have been Dujon. Mm. Yeah. Okay, we have to make an arrangement for a field trip. I have to find his reference. <laughs> There's a uh, scientist also who made reference to what we're talking about. And, uh, I forget his name, but he, he's extremely, I mean, just, just unbelievably smart. And uh, he's in a wheelchair, he can't speak. Stephen Hawkins. Stephen Hawkins. Hawkins, that's mm-hmm. right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He made reference to other, other dimensions. Other dimensions of this. Uh, well, I guess nowadays, I guess. Uh, uh, in the realm of science, there is talks about uh, different dimensions, and now they're trying to decide how many dimensions. Some say 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some say, <laughs> mm. well, if those other continents exist in other dimensions, we'll find out uh, sooner or later. But the, the main point is, no matter where you are in this samsaric wheel, it's not a real escape from suffering whether you go into a place that actually exists or whether you go to a place that exists only in myth, it still has its limits. It's, you're still subject to suffering. You're still subject to limitations. It's not freedom. It's not true freedom. It's not peace. It's not real nirvana. Okay. And so the three lower realms are supposed to... Uh, I'm not going to say supposed to as though uh, they aren't really the three lower realms. But the knowledge of the three lower realms is supposed to spur you into knowing that they are con- these might be the consequences of certain actions. You want to avoid them. Because no one wants to go to the three lower realms. Okay? No one wants to be an animal in living in a wild where every day you're, you're afraid for your life. Everything that moves, you think it might be something that's going to kill you. And that's the state of mind that you live in as an animal. That's what makes the, uh, one of the things that makes them being, living as an animal uh, 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 a, a lower realm, a, suff- a much suffering place. Now, of course, people always mention pets, how they would love uh, oh, that pet over there, like the pet of, what was that lady who left uh, a couple of million dollars for, for a pet? You know what Some people you know, wish it would be that, that dog. <laughs> <laughs> that dog has a maid, that dog has a mansion, that dog has... You know, but can that dog really enjoy those things the way a human being would love to enjoy? Still, that dog still lives with the, with the state of mind that thinks that uh, at any moment someone can come in and, and kill me. Or oh, not kill me, but eat me. Okay? Right? Doesn't, a dog doesn't say, oh, whew, finally. Wow, what a life. <laughs> and then rings the bell, hey! <laughs> The bowl is empty. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, so that's the the reason for the knowledge of the three lower, knowing the condition of the three lower realms, and and knowing that at least there's a possibility due to your own action, you might be re- it might be a consequence of your uh, it might be a consequence. That you have to uh, you have to you have to relive, okay. So that if for for those fear is a motivating factor, a strong motivating factor, then when they hear that and they see how it is a possibility, then that spurs them to avoid negative actions, okay. But for those whom fear is not necessarily a motivating factor, then that may not work. 
but they have to give there has to be another another uh, another uh, set of uh, uh, motivating instructions the, the higher realms above human realms of everything above human realms are called gods okay all the realms above the human realm are called gods and above the human realm you have gods who are supposed to be in the desire realm and there are different levels of them within the desire realm and above that you have the form realm gods so you have desire realm gods form realm gods formless realm gods no wait a minute sorry desire plane gods <laughs> form plane gods and then formless plane gods all those beings who live in those in, in those different plane are referred to as gods. Now I think we touch, touch upon a little bit why are they referred to as gods? Why are they given the name gods? Because they achieve uh, nirvana uh, but well no, they, they achieve liberation. No, this is, this is with, still within samsara. They experience bliss and, and but, but it's a temporary bliss. So again, they're subject to the same suffering in their future lives. Well, I mean, that's their condition. But why are they referred to as gods? Why? Yeah. I mean, just go back to uh, any culture that, you know, that goes to gods. They're in a better place than we are. They're better than we are. More abilities. More abilities. Mm-hmm. But is, is that all? When you think of God or gods. What, what, what do you think of? Omniscience. Omniscience. What else? What else? Quick, 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 Omnipotence. Omnipotence. Yeah. Okay. Con- connected with the omnipotence, connected with ability. That they can influence our lives. They can influence our lives. Okay. We can call on them to give us some sort of aid beyond human abilities. Things that we want here, it's not like uh, we don't call upon God. So, oh, can, uh, can I get an invitation? You know, we don't we don't ask. We don't, we don't, people don't necessarily ask gods for invitations. Like, you know, can I, can I please come to your place so I can take a little vacation? You know, enjoy. I would like I would like to be a god for a few days. You know, that's not what we ask for when when people were asked. They're asking for things that uh, concern them in their own lives. Like, uh, I'm afraid the crop is going to go bad this year. Humans don't have, the humans that I know of so far don't have the capacity to prevent this. Who can, I de- who can I call upon to help me with this? Somebody with some sort of beyond human ability. So anyone beyond human ability, abilities are called, referred to as gods. And, and the reason that, and that the term God is used for them is because they can, we, call up, we, we can call upon them to sort of help us with our problems. Okay? And the, within Buddhist cosmology, gods, there are two gods in Buddhist cosmology. What are called worldly gods and what are called super... What was that, what's that term? Uh, supramundane. Yeah, that's a nice phrase. I love that phrase. Supramundane gods. The supramundane gods are the ones that you were referring to earlier as being uh, free from uh, uh, having reached nirvana. And all these beings are referred to as gods specifically because as human beings we can call on them to come help us with our situations. 
but these gods, the worldly gods, are, are worldly because they, since they are in the world, they can't help you get out of the world. They're caught up in here also. But they can help you with worldly stuff. They can help you with the crops. They can bring some rain if they feel like it. Can you give us examples of worldly gods? Indra, for example. Uh, uh, what, what, are, what are some Western examples? Um, Zeus. Zeus. We can't really, can't really use that as an example nowadays because no one prays to Zeus. Anyone prays to Zeus, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Zeus, Jupiter. Oh, but I, I think in... Uh, what Hindu gods would they be? Hindu gods are considered worldly. They would be worldly. Yeah. Okay. But some of them were converted and became super mundane. Like uh, uh, Chakrasambara, for example. Okay. Yeah. Like the form of Chakrasambara. So when we hear of I mean, would that be considered a god or not? Yeah, that the term God is, you can say the term God is also used for Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are also referred to as gods. Okay. But they are the supramundane super God because they are free from, from the world and they can help others achieve freedom from the world. How would you classify the Judeo-Christian God, Judeo-Christian Islamic God. Ah, well that one depends on how you view it. If you view it anthropologically, then it will be a worldly God. But if you look at it more in, from a philosophical point of view, then you fall in, there are so many different categories you can, you can place it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be just a word that means truth, a word that means the foundation of reality, it could be in, uh, 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 sometimes sometime from the way people uh, approach Judeo Christian God, it could, all, it, could all, it could mean Guru. Right? As a worldly God, though, wouldn't it be a form realm God rather than a desire realm God? Because the God that, we, that Jews or Christians pray to doesn't mm-hmm. have desire in the sense of wanting things for itself. Mm-hmm. Its only intention <laughs> is to you know, satisfy the needs of the people who worship it, mm-hmm. supposedly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it would be a formal. It's not formless because it does make it. It has appearances. It has appearances to be. It has appeared to be in, in certain yeah. ways. So it, it is free from a specific form, depending on free from specific forms. Depending on which view, right? We're describing it. But it appears. Yeah. But it appears. And it has no desires of its own, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's not a scri- no desires of its own are ascribed to it, although it gets annoyed with <laughs> beings that don't follow its instructions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's difficult to place it. So, so if, if if there was a, a, a specific presentation, then there might be a oh, this presentation we understand it as this right. in Buddhism, but there, there isn't one specific presentation. But the presentation as being a person who created existence. That Buddhism doesn't have a, 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 a something uh, close to, because in Buddhism there isn't a person who created everything. Right? But there are persons who create their their own their experiences. Um, uh, in Iceland, I think there's a movement 
where people are going back to what, you, what used to be called paganism. Okay. So, in that, in, that, in that realm or in that uh, uh, culture, the different gods, the different spirits that they pray to, whatever, I don't know, Thor and whatever the names are, I forgot. These will be like gods, world, the worldly gods, according to Buddhism. But th- you have to go to the definition, though. A worldly god is any being higher than a human being, has abilities to influence the human beings, but still caught up in the wheel of suffering. Right? They, they're not, they don't have that status forever. They will lose that status at one point or another. Okay. Uh, super mundane gods are those who are free from the wheel of suffering forever. Definitely. Okay. So, if Thor achieves, uh, if there is a being called Thor one day and then he achieves, he was a worldly god and then he achieves uh, Nirvana, then Thor is no longer a worldly being now he's a, a super mundane. So, so in the example that you used going way, way back, mm-hmm. you talked about, and maybe I misunderstood, maybe you're referring to demigods versus gods, mm-hmm. reaching a certain level of bliss, but really ultimately in future rebirths, suffering or around uh, re-existence? No, all the gods. All the gods are like that. All the gods are like that. And demigods is just a kind of god. Okay, but, but in, in, in according to Buddhist cosmology, you're uh-huh. saying there's two types of gods. There's yeah. worldly gods, uh-huh. and then there's super mundane gods. Yeah. For level two, super mundane gods, uh-huh. these are gods who have achieved enlightenment mm-hmm. and are outside of the wheel of samsara. Yeah. So, then what you said initially doesn't make sense. Because, Which one? Well... Either either they, they are in the wheel of samsara or they're not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, a Buddha would, would basically be enlightened and would never experience suffering, mm-hmm. yeah. period. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, okay. Now, what was the initial thing that wasn't making sense? Well, I, I, was, I was a little confused with the demigod and the god um, being a higher being achieving nirvana, but really being being exposed to future suffering. Oh, no, no, no. There aren't any beings who have achieved nirvana who's uh, exposed to any future suffering. Okay. How, how about individuals who are not pursuing Mahayana tradition uh-huh. who um, achieve a level of enlightenment mm-hmm. for themselves, but not for all Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are not in nirvana. And, and you, you know how you have different levels of mm-hmm. arhats? Yes, uh huh. Do they. This is where it gets confusing because it's like <laughs> I, I don't remember and understand how you reach a certain level of enlightenment, but mm-hmm. yet you have obscurations that are still uh-huh. you from being a Buddha, for example. Yeah, uh huh. Oh, well, that's. Uh, that is a, 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 something to discuss. We will, do, we will, we will get into that one. Okay? And it's a very, uh, very interesting thing, that, that, that point. That point, yeah. And, and, and it's exactly the question that the Theravadins are asking. The question you just asked is exactly the question that the Theravadins ask. Okay? And that's why the, the Theravadins disagree with the Mahayanas, as far as the role of the Buddha is concerned. Okay? But... 
just to uh, clarify uh, something, if we have this word in, in, in the West called God, right? Sometimes when we are referring to uh, uh, mythology, uh, the, the time of mythology, we, we use that same word, we say gods. And we, when, when you write it, we put a small g, okay? Small g god, big g god. And we have made that distinction. And it is the distinction between small g god and then big g god for us in the West is big G God is the God as it is presented by Judeo Christian the Abrahamic the Abrahamic traditions. Okay, so because we are influenced, the West is influenced by the Abrahamic traditions. So that that has crystallized for us into big G is the God of the Abraham and all the different you know. Christian or Muslim or, right. or Jews, right? Basically those three, and whatever sub-branches they have. And the small gods, according to this Abrahamic tradition, don't really exist for some of, for some of, for some of them. And then for, for those for whom it exists, they're, they're considered the small gods to be uh, like, like spirits and, and things like that. Saints. Uh, and, and they, they have, so the thing is, the word God itself has this meaning for us. I'm trying to give you, since because we translate a specific term in Buddhism as God, automatically those ideas come to our mind. Which God are you referring to? The big G God or small G God? The thing is, in Buddhism, there is no small G God and big G God. Okay? But what are they referring to in Buddhism that has been translated as God or those two kinds of beings that I mentioned? Buddhas and enlightened beings are referred to as gods. So these are called the supramundane gods. And they are still beings much more powerful than humans who are still caught up in the wheel of suffering. These are called the mundane gods. That's where the term God is used in Buddhism. Okay? So, so sometimes, yeah, so going back and forth between those two kinds of worlds, for example, the Western world use of God and the Eastern world use of God, we get confused because we don't know exactly which worldview they're, from what worldview they're referring to. But this is basically it. Those who are still caught up in the wheel of suffering and yet are more powerful than human beings as far as their status is concerned, they are also referred to as gods. But they're, they're worldly. And the reason that they're worldly is because just like human beings will lose their, will one day die, these guys will also one day die. And, th- and they will be reborn as something else. Okay. And the what are called supramundane gods. And I have to say also, uh, the Travhadans, I'm not sure they use the term God. They, 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 for them, it's either uh, worldly gods or, or enlightened beings. They don't, they don't use the word God as for, for enlightened beings. It's in the Mahayana countries that they use the word God for enlightened beings also. Okay, so that even confuses things a little bit more. Is there a God in the Hinayana? Yeah, they're... The same thing? Uh, don't call them Hinayana in their faces. <laughs> oh, okay. But they, are some, they, are, they uphold the Hinayana uh, uh, philosophies. Okay. Yeah. So why is it that uh, when they interviewed... Uh, uh, Lama, you talk about the different religions and how uh, there's uh, 
<coughs> like in the Judeo, you know, in Judeo-Christianity, mm-hmm. and, and also the Muslim religion, you have uh, monotheistic religions, mm-hmm. and then he mentioned that in, in Buddhism, Buddhism is considered a godless religion, similar mm-hmm. to Jainism. But yet, in, in Buddhism, there are gods, are there not? Yeah. So how can it be? Uh, and it's kind of a basic thing. Yeah. I kind of get it, but uh, mm-hmm. it, in a way, how can you say it's a godless religion then? Mm-hmm. If you still have gods, worldly gods, and yeah. Okay. So, so within that, Buddhism, that really only applies to yeah, God as a creator. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And again, it's, it's the confusion of the word that we have completely uh, this West and East and West has completely understanding of that term, God, mm-hmm. and that's where the, a lot of confusion comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people, uh, like my mother, for example, if you take God out of it, 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 it you, you've thrown the world into in, into chaos and uh, and immorality. For her, Godless means immorality. So you have to have to you have to keep putting the word God in there because for her those things are infused together, right? So in one sense you can't say Godless to my mother. <laughs> if you say Buddhism is Godless, you're still gonna petition, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what has you what have you got my son into? She will go into. <laughs> All right, I think uh, we're way over time, I am. <laughs> but we got a little bit of over 40 minutes. All right. Uh, we'll continue next, uh, next Sunday? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Next Sunday is the 12th or something? What is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 13th. 13th, yeah. Okay, so we'll continue next Sunday. There's no class tonight, but there will be class there's no class tonight? Yeah, there will be. Oh, there will be. Okay. Yeah, there will be okay. class tonight. Yeah. Yeah. What? Meditation. Yeah, meditation, yeah. meditation. yeah. I was just wanting to say, oh, next week. Oh, oh yeah, I mentioned today. Oh, yeah. There will be the meditation tonight, and then <laughs> next Sunday we will meet again. We will continue from where we left off. We try to get finally to the form well. I mean, they're very easy. Pictures. Okay, I'll give it to you right now. Realm 1, Realm 2, Realm 3, Realm 4. That's the. F- that's the f- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the plane, there are four yeah, four four main realms, and they're subdivided each. Yeah, well, I guess it will complicate. I'm doing a bad job. Yeah, that's that, that's why I'm trying to yeah. come up with a different word, plane and realm, so not to confuse things. Yeah, I might end up confusing things more.
this is a cute little book. Uh, somebody gave it to me <laughs> from the last uh, Wednesday, uh, Friday class. Somebody ended it to me. And uh, it got me into trouble while I was reading it in a train. Really? Yeah, somebody saw me reading this and they approached me. And uh, I thought he was a fellow Buddhist. <laughs> he wanted to know where I go to the temple and things like that. And he said, oh, what's that book about? Is it about you know, enlightenment and like that? Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he whispered to me, you know, that's the wrong way, you know. <laughs> what's the right way? I asked him, what's the right way? Yeah. He said, Jesus is the only way. Uh-huh. And I said, what does that mean, Jesus is the only way? And he said, uh, no, Jesus is the only way. But what does that mean? <laughs> I said, what about being loving to everyone and, uh, and not trying to harm anyone? How about that? He said, that's good. I said, that's what I do. <laughs> but he said, but, but Jesus is the only way. <laughs> so I got into trouble by eating this. On, so don't read this in the train. <laughs> what, is, what is the title? The Pocket Reader, the Buddha. It's just a little, uh, no. Is it by, uh, is it by, uh, you know, you, you know? With corn, Jack corn? No, not Jack. This is by Anne Bancroft. Bancroft. Anne Bancroft. I know that yeah. name. Yeah. I know that name. The same person? The same person. And it's basically wow. uh, quotes from different, uh, from different sutras. Isn't that, uh, I she was a, compi- a Buddhist compiler. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I, I, knew she, I knew she had some interest in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you should give a copy to to, to because he likes those encounters. Ah, he okay. seeks them out. Ah, okay. He, he, with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. I'll Muslims. take I'll take phone numbers for him. <laughs> <laughs> Call this guy. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's uh, any questions? Any questions? Any some some you heard about Buddhism that you you. That confuses you a little bit. You want clarification? We have the Jehovah's Witness knocking on our doors. Are okay for us to bring them here? <laughs> They've been here. Here? <laughs> They've been here. No, send them to uh, Trapel's house. I'll give you an address. He goes over there and has these dialogues with them. He tried that for a while. I have to say, I tried that when I was uh, a, a newbie. I wanted to, you know. Have a dialogue with anybody. Anybody wants to challenge my challenge? Come on, come debate me. After a while, it just <laughs> just uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. They have their conviction. I have my conviction, and we don't quite. <laughs> okay, so no questions, no questions. Oh yeah. Um, yes, I've, I've seen a number of films with the Dalai Lama and taking courses about Buddhism, and uh, the word suffering. Don't quite understand. I, I apply what I think it's the normal American definition of suffering, meaning great pain, great distress. Mm-hmm. If that's true, I've only suffered a few times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, when the Buddhists uh, give a def- given definition to that, so that some minor discomfort would be called suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's, it's, that's why now some translators nowadays are refusing to use the word suffering for that word that they're translating, dukkha. Uh, so they, they, some have translated as mean just dissatisfaction. Some have translated as uh, stress. What's another term? Have you heard? Strife. Strife. 
So it's any state of dissatisfaction. Yeah. And only this kind of existence can give rise to any dissatisfaction whatsoever. And there is a way of existing where you don't have to have any kind of dissatisfaction whatsoever. Okay. So that, yeah. Be it. Thanks for the question. No other questions? No? Okay, so let's uh, go to the uh, closing uh, our closing ritual. Rituals change around there. Yeah. Dedication? No, first the mandala. Mandala in English, I mean in Tibetan in English. And then mandala in Tibetan English and then Gewadi in Gewadi and then English. Before you do the Sanskrit, that what did we just recite? Here is the ground, the anointed with incense and flowers strewn, with the sound mirror adorned by four continents, the sun and moon, visualized as a Buddha field, however, to the magnetic field. And all beings partake of the supremely pure Buddha field. And now the Sanskrit? Idam Guru now the dedication. Twenty six. Twenty six. Tamba And what did we just say?